Welcome to Harmony Christian Church Podcast. For more information about us, visit HarmonyChurchFamily.org. All right. Well, last week, um, I preached a message titled In the Garden, and it was talking about the, the garden of prayer, the secret place of the garden. And, and I really feel that that was a word from the Lord for our congregation for this season. Um, so what I want you to do, what I encourage you to do is to go back and listen to last week's message, not because I'm a phenomenal speaker, but because I feel like, I feel so deeply that it was a word from the Lord for our congregation and for us moving forward. And, the, and there was a lot, a lot of things in that message, um, some of which I'll, I'll go over probably multiple times again. Um, but, but I want you to go back and I want you to listen to that message once again and, and hear the word of the Lord for our congregation about prayer. Uh, you can do that through our podcast. You can go to iTunes. You can go to Spotify. Uh, I think those are, the, those are the couple places you can get our audio podcast on, on our website. You can go there as well. Uh, to listen to it, or you can go on Facebook, YouTube, and catch the video from last week as well. There's multiple ways, but I encourage you sometime this week to go back and to listen to that message. Listen to that message. I feel like, it, like I said, I feel like that was a word from the Lord for our congregation, and it has a lot to do with where I'm going today and where we'll probably be going the next few weeks as well. So please go back and listen to that message titled, In the Garden. <clears throat> Again, uh, this morning, I want to kind of continue on through that vein. This morning is going to be a little different, though. Last week, I, I did a lot of teaching um, and a lot of, a lot of just kind of expanding on the scriptures. This week, I just kind of, I kind of feel like I'm supposed to just reiterate what I feel like the Lord is doing in this season. So um, to do that, I want to first look in Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42. Acts chapter 2 Verse 42, I'm going to read real quick out of the, I think it's out of the Passion is, is how I have it up there. Um, so it's, it starts in verse 42. It says, Every believer was faithfully devoted to following the teachings of the apostles. Their hearts were mutually linked to one another, sharing communion and coming together regular, regularly for prayer. They were coming together regularly for prayer. So, so what this scripture is telling us is this is kind of the, uh, the basic formula for what was happening in the early church. This was what was happening when miracles, signs, and wonders were happening on a continual, consistent basis, and when the church was being added to daily, that when the, when the people were giving to one another out of generosity, and they were meeting together daily, sharing communion together, and praying together, and studying the teachings of the apostles, that, that this was the formula for the early church revival, was, was the apostles' teaching, was, was the word of God, it was community, taking communion together and being together, and it was prayer. That those three things was the basic formula for the early church revival that they were experiencing, for the church being added to daily. And so when, when earlier this week, we had, a, we had our Wednesday night prayer through Zoom, which has been phenomenal. 
uh, it, it has blown, blown me away how much the Lord has been using that. And, and I love it because uh, uh, it's giving me lots of material to preach. So other people are getting words from the Lord and I'm writing them down and I'm going to be using a lot of that to share with you because I, honestly, I feel, I feel like the Lord is speaking so much through that. Uh, but one of the things I felt like the Lord spoke uh, this past Wednesday uh, through that prayer meeting was I feel like what the Lord is doing in this time is uh, much like what happens when a person is blindfolded. When you blindfold somebody, they say that the other senses that they have are heightened. So when you take away their sight, their hearing, their taste, their sense of smell, all of those things become heightened because they've lost one of their senses. And what I feel like the Lord is doing right now through this virus is that he has blind, put a blindfold on some of the things that we're doing. We're not able to meet together in a corporate setting. We're not able to do a lot of the same things we did before. A lot of the ways we experienced community before, we're not able to do that now. The way we've heard the word, the teaching before, we're not able to do it the same way. We're doing it through a camera and through a computer screen. We're not able to experience it the same way we have before. And what I feel like the Lord is doing is he is putting that, using this virus to put a blindfold on our senses to begin strengthening and heightening our senses in other areas. That he's strengthening the areas we had that were weak before. That right now, let's take those three things from the early churches, the teaching, the community, and the prayer. That right now, you have to actually desire to hear the teaching to experience it. Because let's be honest, it's a whole lot easier to turn off Facebook or YouTube than it is to walk out during a service. <laughs> it's a whole lot easier to forget to turn on Facebook or YouTube at 10 o'clock than it is to get up on a Sunday morning in your normal routine and come to church. That you have to, you have to be hungry for the word to experience the word right now. You have to desire it. I, I've, seen the, I've seen the analytics that Facebook and YouTube and all of that give. And while we do have a lot of people who are watching, we also have a lot of people that kind of fall off at the end, you know? So it's, a, it's, 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 it's requiring us to hunger for the word and to have to do something from ourselves to be able to experience it. We can't just come and sit down and experience it and, be, and have it fed to us. We have to put some work into it. Same with community. We can't just, we can't just show up on a Sunday morning and have communi community during meet and greet. You know, our church, we love meet and greet. We love seeing each other. We love hanging out. But, but we don't have that opportunity right now. So we have to work for community. We have to experience community in different ways. And, and so you can see what, where I'm going with this, that, that I feel like the Lord is using this time as, as a way of heightening our senses. He is strengthening the weak areas that we have in our life through this, through this virus. The one that I feel like he is, is focused on the most, though, is prayer. The, the, the sense that I feel like he's trying to bring out of us the most right now is prayer. Because if I'm real honest, Harmony, if I'm real honest, we're pretty good with the teaching. You know, we, we have a pretty good amount of people that show up every Sunday to hear the word of the Lord. 
We have, we have people coming to Sunday school. We have, I feel like we have a, a pretty good grasp on teaching. Of course, we can grow, and I believe the Lord is going to grow us in that. But we have a pretty good grasp on that. We have a real good grasp on community. And uh, we're really good at being there for each other. We're really good at lifting each other up and strengthening one another. We're good at, at family. It's, it's an area that we're good at. Again, I know that there's areas I'm sure that we can grow in in both of those areas. But for the most part, we, we do well at teaching and we do well at community. Where I feel we lack desperately is prayer. Where I feel we lack desperately is prayer. And, and you might ask, how do I know that? Well, here's how I know that. Our normal Sunday morning, we have a pretty full crowd, pretty average between 160, 180 people on most Sundays. So we're, we're good at coming to church. We're good at hearing the word. When we have a special event, when we have a, a Vallelujah, which we missed this year, hopefully we can do that again. We're, we're going to do that for sure. But when we have Vallelujah, we have a huge turnout. When we have a family movie night, we have a huge turnout. When we do the Tenderloin Supper and it's time to come and to serve our community and to work together as community, the church comes alive and we, we, we do the, the Tenderloin Supper with excellence and everyone comes out to help. But... When we have a prayer meeting, when we call a Wednesday night Zoom meeting, when we call once a month worship and prayer night, we have an average attendance of about 10 to 15 people. And four of, that, four of us are Amber and I, Ron and Jackie. Paul, of course, is usually here to lead worship as well, and Pam. And, and we have a very low attendance, which tells me that we are good at the first two, but we are lacking in prayer. We are lacking in the area of prayer. And listen, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not feeling sorry for myself in that because I'm totally cool with 10 or 15 people that want to be here, that want to enter into prayer, that are seeking the Lord with all of their heart. I'm totally good if there's only couple of us that show up that want to be there to seek the Lord. But what I'm telling you is, is we, you, we are missing out on what God is doing when we miss out on the prayer aspect. When you are not here for prayer, you are missing out on what God is doing through prayer. And I am just jealous for you to experience God in prayer. And so that's where I feel like the Lord is highlighting it to us right now. And that's why I want you to go back and listen to last week's message about praying, the, the garden of prayer. Because I feel like of all of the senses that God is wanting to heighten in us right now, of all of the areas where we are weak that the Lord is wanting to strengthen in us, the one that I feel like he is highlighting right now is the area of prayer. Is the area of prayer. And I want to tell you why I feel like prayer is often neglected, why prayer is often uh, the least attended service or least attended event that the church has. And the reason I believe it is that is because prayer requires work. Prayer requires work. Prayer oftentimes is not flashy. It's oftentimes not entertaining. You know, when we get together for prayer, we, we sometimes maybe have music playing in the background or, or something like that, but it requires effort from us. You know, in Hosea chapter, I think it's, what, what is it? I have it back there, Andrew, if you'll pull that up. Hosea, I believe it's chapter 10. 
Hosea chapter 10, verse 12, it says, Sow for yourself righteousness, reap in mercy. Break up the fallow ground of your heart, for it is time to seek the Lord until he comes and rains righteousness on you. That in order to seek the Lord, you have to break up the fallow ground inside of you. You have to break up the, the places that have been trampled down, and you have to break up that fallow ground. In Matthew, in Matthew chapter, let me look here. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 44, it's, it's the story of the man who finds a treasure in the field. And for his love over the treasure, he, he buys the entire field so he can gain the treasure. That prayer is the treasure hidden in the field, but you have to buy the field, the field that you have to cultivate, that you have to take care of. You have to buy the field in order to have the treasure, that, that the prayer actually requires your hands to get dirty. Prayer requires you to, to do some work in the secret place. And I think that prayer has become unpopular because it's not easy, because it requires some work. You have to get your hands dirty to till the garden, to cultivate the garden of prayer. But I believe, again, with all of my heart, that that is what the Lord is calling us to in this hour, is to, to, is to the cultivating of the garden. It's to the cultivating of the garden of prayer, to the breaking up the fallow ground, breaking up the, the ground that, that hasn't been worked, and that he is calling us to that place of prayer. And it's going to require some work. You know, some of us, we're all, I feel like, at different stages when it comes to prayer. Some of us have a garden that is flourishing, some of, some of you have prayer time. Some of you have secret place moments with God that are just powerful and they're consistent and they're going really well. Some of us maybe have, have a good garden, but we maybe have some weeds growing up in it because maybe we're not cultivating it as much as we should, but it's there, it's growing. It just maybe, it's maybe just requires some, some, a little bit of work. And, there, and there's some others of us where our, our garden is actually just a dry desert wasteland. We, have, we don't have any sort of prayer life. We don't have any sort of, of relationship with the Lord outside of maybe church or community or things like that. You know, we're all at different stages, but I believe all of us are being called into that place of cultivating right now. That all of us, whether we're praying already or we're, we're not praying at all, I believe the Lord is calling us to cultivate the garden of prayer right now in this moment. Amen that he is calling us to cultivate the garden of prayer. And, and um, so, so why, why is the Lord emphasizing this right now in this hour? So that's, that's the question. Why is the Lord emphasizing this? And I feel like the Lord gave me three, uh, three reasons why. Like any good pre preacher, I have three points to give you real fast. Um, but, but no, for real, I feel like the Lord has given me three different reasons why he's calling us to prayer. The first one kind of goes along with what I've been saying. The first reason why I believe he's calling us to prayer is that he is breaking up our fallow ground. That he is breaking up our fallow ground. So what is fallow ground? Fallow ground is the, is the ground that has been walked on, that has been trampled on, that is no longer good for seed that it no longer grows, it is no longer fruitful because the ground has been so impacted uh, that it no longer can produce, 
can produce fruit. So for instance, at our house, in my backyard right now, there is a, uh, when you go down the steps in the back, back porch, when you go down the steps to the outside, there is a path where there's no grass that grows that goes from there, it goes around our house and to the front gate. And the reason that path is there is because our dog, every time he steps outside or she steps outside, she hits that path and she runs to the front right there. It's the same path every time you let her outside. She goes through that same area. We have a really nice green grass growing in one area of our yard and you can guess why. So every time we let her out, she goes to that same exact area. Okay, so she has so walked that path that there is now no longer grass that grows on that path because it has become fallow ground. And, and it frustrates me and Amber because we, we're, we really like our grass to look nice, our yards to look nice. And our, our stinking dog has completely ruined that part of our grass because she, she will not go a different route. It's the same path that she goes over and over again. That is fallow ground, that it is beaten down so much. It has, it's a path that has been walked so many times that it no longer can produce fruit. It no longer can grow grass because the, the, the field has been beaten down so many times. So that's what I feel like the Lord is coming to do, that he is coming to break up that fallow ground. I believe the Lord is disrupting our path and breaking up the fallow ground so that we can become fruitful again. That he is breaking up the fallow ground so that we can become fruitful again. You know, the religious spirit, we've talked about the religious spirit before. You've heard people talk about the religious spirit before. The religious spirit, oftentimes when you think about the religious spirit, you think about a dry, dusty church that sings only old hymns and, and you know, everybody in the congregation is over 80. You know, but that's, that's really not what the religious spirit is. The religious spirit is less about what we do and it's more about how we think. The religious spirit is less about what we do and more about how we think, and not only how we think, but how we follow, how we follow the leading of the Lord. Um, so, so the religious spirit, is, it looks like this. It's, it's some, you, you were doing something good in the beginning. You were doing what the Lord told you to do in the beginning, but then the Lord tells you to move on to something else, but instead, you stay with what he told you to do in the beginning instead of leading and following on. And you, go, you get involved in what I call a system, which is, which, what a system is, is it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's not necessarily something bad that, that you're doing. It's that you have let the system, you have let what you are doing replace following the leading of the Holy Spirit. So, so a perfect picture of this is, is the Pharisees in the Bible. You know, Jesus, uh, at the, or the Lord, at the end of Malachi, spoke for the very last time before the New Testament. He, he spoke the word to Malachi. Malachi, the book of Malachi ends, and then there's 400 years of silence. Within that 400 years, there was a religious group that developed called the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And this, this religion developed out of a place where the Lord was not speaking. So what happened was, was these Pharisees develop a, developed a religious system that, that, that was based off of the law, but then was also added to 
and they began operating in this religious system because they could not hear the voice of the Lord anymore. And so what happened was, is they were operating in that religious system, and then when Jesus showed up on the scene and began speaking once again, they were not able to hear the word of the Lord because they were too distracted by the system that they created. That is the picture of the religious spirit. You know, the Pharisees, as bad of a rap as they get, they were not bad people. In fact, they were the ones devoted to the law of God more than anybody else. They knew the Torah forward and backwards. They, they were the ones that were, were the priests, the ones offering sacrifices to the Lord. So they were devoted to God. So they weren't bad people. They were just caught in a system that didn't allow them to hear the word of the Lord. They were caught in a path, the same path, just like my dog, the same path over and over again that caused the ground that they were walking on to not be able to bear fruit anymore. It may have bore, bore fruit in the beginning when the Lord called them to do it, when Moses gave them the laws, that that was the word of the Lord for that time. But the Lord had then moved on into the New Testament and they were not able to leave that old path that was good at one point in time, but now is not where the Lord had them anymore. He was moving them into something new and they were not able to leave and they were caught in that religious spirit. They were caught in that rut and their ground became fallow and unable to bear fruit anymore. And what I believe the Lord is doing through prayer right now is he's going to begin breaking up our fallow ground. He's going, to begin, he's going to begin steering us off the path that not was bad, that wasn't bad. It's just he's leading us to new pastures, which I'm going to talk a lot about hopefully next week. Another word that came out of that prayer meeting through Bob Stout, um, that, that the, the shepherd that the shepherd in Psalms 23 that leads us through green pastures, that, that the pasture we were in was good, but he's leading us to new pastures. And I believe the Lord is going to begin breaking old mindsets through prayer, that we are going to be, get our eyes off of the path and get our eyes back onto his face. And, and our ears are going to become attentive to his voice, to his leading, to where we're not going to be in a system, but we are going to be led by the wind of the Spirit. Amen? So he is breaking up the fallow ground. He's breaking up those dry places in us, in our minds and in our hearts and in our spirits so that we can become fruitful once again. Amen? Number two, what I believe the Lord is doing. I believe the Father is preparing us for greater fruitfulness. So once again, he's breaking up the fallow ground so that we can become fruitful. So this will make, this will make sense to a lot of you farmers. You know, I think, I think the Bible was written for farmers, because every analogy fits so well with farmers, what the Lord is doing even right now. So right now, farmers, you're out, you're tilling your ground, you're breaking up that fallow ground so that when you put the seed in the ground, it'll bear fruit. And what I believe the Lord is saying right now to us is that as we allow him to break up our fallow ground, as we allow him to do that, when we plant the seeds of prayer into the ground, we're going to begin bearing much fruit. I believe the Lord is leading us, I, I hesitate to say a season of fruitfulness because I believe as we cultivate, we will continue to walk in fruitfulness. It won't be a season, it'll be a lifestyle. But I believe that as we are going through this season 
of, of hiddenness, I guess is the word you could say, or this season where we are hidden, where we are, are isolated, where we are being quarantined, that as we allow the Lord to break up our fallow ground, then when we come out of that, we're going to move into a season of greater fruitfulness, both as individuals and as a church. Amen? That we are going to move into a season of fruitfulness. So last week, I gave you three different scriptures that I felt like the Lord was prophesying over harmony. The first one was Isaiah 51.3. I encourage you actually write these down. Write these verses down, look them up, and uh, add them into your study and your prayer time because I feel like these are scriptures for us for this season, what the Lord is calling us to. So Isaiah 51 verse 3 um, is, is what I believe Yahweh the Father is doing in us right now. What I believe he is cultivating in us right now. So Isaiah 51 verse 3 says, Indeed, Yahweh will comfort Zion, which once again, Zion is another name for his people. He restoring her, he's restore her, restoring her and comfort all of her broken places. He will transform her wilderness into the garden of bliss, her desert into the garden of Yahweh. Joy and laughter will fill the air with thanksgiving and joyous melodies. What I feel like the Lord is doing right now through the garden is he is restoring broken places inside of us. That the places that are deep and that are hidden and that are broken, that the Lord is going to begin revealing in the place of prayer, he is going to begin revealing those broken places in us so that he can mend them, so that he can fix those broken places. So, so maybe you're dealing with a reoccurring sin. I believe the Lord is going to show you the root of that sin and why you're dealing with that. Maybe you've, you're dealing with a root of pride that you don't even realize is there, a root of selfishness, or maybe a root of, of even of self-hatred or self, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Anybody? Uh, where, where, you, where you don't love yourself and you, you don't even realize you're operating out of that. But the Lord is going to find those broken places inside of us in prayer so that he can begin mending those broken places. So I believe that as you spend time in prayer, that the Lord is going to begin speaking to you about your innermost being and in your deep secret places hidden inside of you, and that he's gonna begin bringing things out to the surface so that he can mend those places. And that out of that is going to flow joy and peace like you've never experienced before. And, and so I believe that's one thing he is doing is right now is he is mending those broken places inside of us so that we can become fruitful out of that place, so that we can have that thanksgiving and joy, joyous melodies will be in the air, as it says in, in Isaiah. So I believe he is, and he's rooting all that stuff out. Maybe it's unforgiveness towards somebody. Maybe it's unforgiveness towards yourself. Whatever it is, I feel like the Lord is gonna begin mining our hearts and revealing those broken places inside of us. Amen? And, and then I wrote this down as well. I said this last week, and I, again, I feel like this is a word from the Lord, that your wilderness wanderings, will be turned into wonder in the garden. That as you begin seeking the Lord, that you're wandering around in that dry, deserted place, that when the garden begins to grow, you'll be able to see the Lord for who he is, and we will walk in wonder 
instead of walking in the wilderness, wandering around. So I believe he's going to turn the wilderness wanderings into wonder into the garden. Amen? So I believe that's what he's doing right now. But I believe Ezekiel 36, 35 through 36, and Isaiah 58 through 11 is where he is taking us. I believe this is one of the reasons why, excuse me, I believe this is one of the reasons why he is taking us into the garden. So Ezekiel 36, 35 through 36 says, So they will say, This land that was desolate has become like the Garden of Eden. And the wasted, desolate, and ruined cities are now fortified and inhabited. Then the nations which are left all around you shall know that I, the Lord, have rebuilt the ruined places and planted what was desolate. I, the Lord, have spoken it and will do it. And as Isaiah 58, 11 says, Yahweh will always guide you where to go and what to do. He will fill you with refreshment even when you are in a dry, difficult place. He will continually restore strength to you so you will flourish like a well-watered garden and like an ever-flowing, trustworthy spring of blessing. Your people will rebuild long-deserted ruins, building anew on the foundation laid long before you. You will be known as repairers of cities and restorers of communities. I believe the Lord is, is leading us to a place of fruitfulness where we will be known as repairers of cities and restorers of communities. That where we walk in the dry and desert places, that the Lord will begin to uh, restore those places from or from a dry desert place to a garden of bliss, to a garden of joy where he can be found. I believe that this is where the Lord is taking us. I mentioned this to our, our, um, our prayer group through Zoom a, a couple Wednesdays ago, and, and it's so true. If you look in revival history, every, almost every revival started out as a prayer meeting. Almost every one of them started out as a prayer meeting. For instance, the Second Great Awakening. The leader of the Second Great Awakening was a man by the name of Charles Finney. So I think most everybody probably recognizes the name Charles Finney. What most, most people don't know is that a man by the name of Daniel Nash and another man by the name of Abel Clary, what they would do is they would slip into the city two weeks before Charles Finney would ever get there and they would find two or three other people like-minded in the city and they'd begin praying over the city, walking the streets and praying and laying the foundation so that when Charles Finney walked into the city, he was able to step right into revival because of the foundation that was laid through prayer by, by Daniel Nash and Abel Clary. That, that, that the second great awakening, that even Charles Finney credits the second great awakening to these two men who were, were pioneers for the second great awakening through prayer. Every, every revival started out as a prayer meeting. Almost every revival, even, even the ramp where we, we came from, what the Lord is doing there in Hamilton, Alabama at the ramp, that that place didn't start off as this huge conference center. The, what that, how that place started was Karen Wheaton and a handful of teenagers praying in a storefront. And that, that prayer meeting 
grew to what is now known as the ramp. And I, I promise you, even to this day, they still have prayer every single morning from eight to nine. They have prayer every single morning because prayer is the foundation for every revival, for every move of God, for every time God does something significant, it starts from a place of prayer. So I believe that the Lord is calling us to, for, calling us to the garden of prayer because he's wanting to cultivate something in us where we can bear much fruit. That the, I believe that what the Lord is leading us into in the coming seasons is to become restorers of cities and repairers of communities. Amen. So again, write those, write those scriptures down. Isaiah, Isaiah 51, 3, Isaiah 58, 11 and 12. I think it's, yeah, Isaiah 58, 11 and Ezekiel 36, 35 through 36. I believe that is where the Lord is taking us. Amen. Amen. All right. The last thing I feel like the Lord is saying through all of this, why the Lord is leading us to cultivate a place of prayer is this, I believe he is calling us to cultivate the garden of prayer because that is simply where he is. Because that is where he is, is in the garden of prayer. I believe we will come out of prayer with authority, with anointing, and with greater influence. And all of those things are nice and awesome and amazing. But mostly, I believe he's calling us to cultivate the garden of prayer because he wants to restore communion with us. That he's wanting to restore communion with us. If we don't, listen to this, if we don't become more fruitful, if we don't become restorers of cities and repairers of communities, if we, if we, uh, have, if we don't have more anointing, if we don't fulfill our purpose, the garden of prayer would still be worth it because all our joy can be found in him. That above everything else, above anointing, above uh, revival, above everything else, the Lord is calling us into prayer because he's wanting to restore the walks in the cool of the day with his sons and his daughters. That, that if, if we didn't get anything else out of meeting with God in prayer, but relationship, it would be worth it every single time. Psalms 84 says, better is one day in the house of the Lord than a thousand anywhere else. If we had just one day to spend with the Lord, it would be better than a thousand anywhere else. It says that the, the writer of Psalms 84 says, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord. I'd rather only be able to stand in the threshold in the house of the Lord than be anywhere else. That any other beautiful place that this world has to offer, or like the psalm says, anywhere else, any beautiful place in the places of the wicked. That I would rather just be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord, that his presence is that good. That if the only thing we gain by being in the secret place, if the only thing we gain by cultivating the garden of prayer is his presence, if the only thing we gain is sitting at his feet, harmony, I believe it is worth every single second we spend cultivating the garden. 
And listen, I believe we're going to walk into all of those things that we talked about. I believe he is going to break up that fallow ground. And I believe we're going to walk into fruitfulness. But even if we don't, simply being in his presence is worth cultivating the garden. It says that in his presence, at his right hand, is fullness of joy evermore. And I believe that, that as we cultivate the garden, we are going to walk in so much joy, so much peace, uh, and that we, we, things that we have never experienced before just by cultivating the place of prayer. Because that is where he is. So above everything else, I believe he is restoring the garden so that we can walk and have communion with him in the cool of the day. If, it, if there was nothing else, it would be worth it, Harmony, to cultivate the garden just to be in his presence. So, so I, once again, what I feel like the Lord is doing, and, and this morning above everything else, I feel like the Lord is just reiterating the word of cultivating your garden. That that is what the Lord is calling us to right now in this season, is cultivating your place of prayer. So I'm calling you right now, Harmony, to cultivate your place of prayer. Go to the garden, cultivate the garden, and spend time in the presence of the Lord. And I believe out of that, we will become fruitful. And out of that, out of that place of prayer, we're going to experience a joy like we've never known before because we are sitting at the feet of our Savior. Amen? Amen. Let me just pray over you. Jesus, God, I once again pray for a grace to fall on our company of believers to fall or to, uh, to go into the place of prayer, Father, that they would cultivate the garden of prayer, Jesus. God, I pray we would become dissatisfied with anything else but your presence, Lord. God, that the system that we have worked, the system uh, that we have put in place that has replaced the wind, God, that we'd become dissatisfied with the system and our eyes would go back into focus on your, on your eyes, on your face, and that our ears would become attentive to your voice, Father. God, and I thank you that as we begin cultivating the garden, as we begin putting our hands in the dirt, putting our hands to the plow, and breaking up that fallow ground, God, I thank you that we will begin walking into a season of fruitfulness. And we'll begin walking into a season of joy and pleasure evermore. God, I love you and I thank you so much once again for your presence and for your word to our church. God, give us the grace once again. Give us the grace to break forward and to cultivate the garden of prayer. In Jesus' name I pray. In Jesus' name.